Hey everyone, welcome to the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate Podcast. Today we're talking about assumable mortgages. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, today we're going to be talking about assumable mortgages with Nick Woolridge from VIP Mortgage. Nick, glad to have you here. Happy to be here, Tom. All right, wonderful. Hey, Nick, so let, let's get into this. What is an assumable mortgage? Assumable mortgage is essentially a government-backed mortgage that somebody can come in and take over if the agreements are met. So when you say take over, does it, does it revert back to the total amount that the note was or what's remaining? What's remaining. Okay. So if I had a $300,000 assumable mortgage and I paid $100,000 down on it, mm -hmm. the only thing somebody could assume would be the $200,000. Exactly. And they need to come forward with either the $100,000 payment or a $100,000 second Oh, okay. Loan. So they won't expand it at that same rate, mm -hmm. right? So your second would have to be at a different exactly. interest rate. Okay. And then Wonderful. another important thing is that that assumable mortgage needs to be done with the lender who initially started that whole process. So whoever is holding that first mortgage, it needs to, all the whole process needs to go through that person up front. Okay. So, so people are a little aware because you borrow the money from VIP mortgage doesn't necessarily mean it was VIP mortgages money. VIP would be a servicer of the note and mm -hmm. the and the mortgage would be sold. Exactly. So you would be dealing with VIP mortgage, a servicer, not the person who the note may have been sold to, correct? Exactly. Okay, so you don't have to track that down. You just go to wherever you write your check to, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what type of mortgages are assumable? You know, there's all kinds of mortgages out there. We hear about mom giving me a note, you know. Um, I got a buddy down the street, you know, um, Guido, and he's, a, you know, he's from New Jersey and he'll give you a note at a certain interest rate. Uh, and then you've got your FHA, your VAs, your USDAs. So let's talk about those. And then tell me a little bit about each one of those notes. Sure. So uh, your FHA is an assumable, your VA is assumable, and your USDA is assumable. So they're all assumable. Mm -hmm. Well, given that they meet the right criteria. Okay. And that right criteria revolves around the buyer. So as long as the buyer can qualify for the mortgage they are assuming, then the mortgage is assumable. Really? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I didn't think that FHA were assumable. Yeah, yeah. So they're a government-backed um, loan, and so they are they fall under that category. See, it's a school day. Every day's a school day here <laughs> on the Nitty Gritty Podcast. Um, so if, so let's, let's kind of talk this out a little bit. This is very interesting. Um, I'm going to buy a house. It's a $500,000 house. Mm -hmm. There's a $300,000 mortgage on it. It was originally at $400,000. They came in with 20% down, and um, they borrowed uh, $400,000. They paid off $100,000. It's $300,000. It's an FHA loan. They got it when there was interest rates was 2.9%. Mm -hmm. If I want to put an offer in on the house and I get it accepted, I can contact the seller's lender and say, I'd like to assume this loan. Mm -hmm. And the lender would, and, and I qualified for it, the lender would say, yes, just come to the table with more money. Yes. Now, the reason the lender would be willing to do that is because there's less risk to the lender because they have less skin in the game, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Interesting. So why don't we see more of that? Because most people are uh, happy with just selling their home. So a lot of these will kind of revolve around someone who is trying to either sell their home quickly or they uh, 
you know, they're in over their head and they're trying to get out before they get buried, you know, by their okay. debt. So it just kind of depends on, it's got to be the perfect person essentially. Okay. So as a, now, now I'm putting my real estate hat on. <laughs> so if I have a client that I'm trying to sell their house, right? Mm-hmm. And I say, hey, this loan is assumable at 2.9%, provided you qualify, wouldn't that make the house more valuable? Because the buyer wouldn't have to go out and get a 5.1% loan for mm-hmm. the whole kit and caboodle. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that shared more with the buying public? Is it because the banks don't make as much money? Because Yeah, so... I think you're right with that one is it's more of a uh, there's no extra money to be made essentially because it's all one loan. Right. So the banks make their money, you know, when the loan is serviced. So when they're serviced the loans, the loan, there's not a second loan essentially being made there. It's just one loan being transferred to another person. Okay. Okay. So in, in that case, what kind of qualifications on in general do the buyer have to have in order to assume a loan? So they need to qualify for, you know, the standard. If it's an FHA, they have to follow all the FHA qualifications. Okay. Certain credit scores? Certain credit scores. They have to, you know, meet the debt-to-income ratios. They need to have, uh, you know, they can't have too much debt, you know, otherwise that'll affect their debt-to-income. They have to make enough money. So it's just kind of the standard qualifying practices. Okay. So... As, as a loan officer, um, I go back to that scenario that I had a $500,000 home. There's a $300 mortgage on it. Um, the borrower only has $100,000 in cash to come to closing with 20%. Mm-hmm. So we're still missing $100,000. Are lenders willing to work with a buyer like that to put a second underneath that assumable? Yes, but it's typically more difficult because then you're going to be dealing, you don't deal with the same lender, you deal with a second lender. Okay. And so the lenders working together can cause some problems sometimes because you're adding a whole other set of variables and different underwriters, different loan officers, Uh different practices. Is that something that's frowned upon in the industry? Is it something that's not done because it seems to be kind of shady or is it just, it's hard to organize it all together i think it's because it's a more difficult pra- like process and everything and so okay. it's harder um most people don't really want to come and do the second loan and as well now when when you say most people you're talking about the buyers or the lenders the buyers, the buyers. okay okay but i mean realistically in that scenario at uh, let's say a three percent three hundred thousand dollar note right and then you have a maybe a five and a quarter or five and a, a three ace loan for a hundred thousand it's got to be cheaper than a four hundred thousand dollar. Oh, absolutely. So it, it may be behooved that. Now, let me ask this question: um, When you when you do assume the loan, what kind of costs are there associated with that for the buyer? So you're going to pay a lot of your normal closing costs. The only really big difference is that you don't need an appraisal. Okay. So because you are and the the buyer and the seller are kind of meeting with an agreement that they're agreeing that this is the price. Then, and the loan is going to be less than that sales price, Okay. then it covers. Okay. So some of the fees on an assumption, would there be like origination points p- p- paid on that too for an assumption? Mm-hmm. So is that like an assumption fee? Is that how they look at that? 
and it may just be on the second if they were going to do a secondary okay. loan that they would have the origination fees because the the loan isn't getting originated again. Right. It's going to be the same loan, so there shouldn't be any of those those fees, but you might have some, you know, title fees and things Processing like that. Processing fees and things exactly. like that. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Hey everyone, we want to interrupt this episode to let you know that we are a Keller Williams Southern Arizona franchise. We are also realtors practicing equal housing. Now let's get you back to the podcast. Can an investor, like a non-owner occupied, assume a loan? So let's say I'm buying the house from you. Mm-hmm. You're selling it, but I want to buy it because it's close to the University of Arizona, which is a great university, by the way. Um, and Bear down. Did you graduate? <laughs> no, no. I, uh, I grew up here, so I grew up going to a lot of uh, U of A tailgates. And... Yeah, that... So I'm going to buy your house, but I'm going to put renters in there. You have a great loan that's assumable. You got two and a quarter percent. You've only lived there for a year, but you've got a new job um, in New York City. So you still have 90% of the value in the loan mm-hmm. for the house. Can me, myself, as a non-owner occupied, can I assume that loan? Unfortunately not. Okay. So uh, a lot of these loans are specific to primary um, buyers. Okay. And so your FHA and your VA, they're all kind of revolve around a primary residence. Okay. So it can't be assumed Mm-mm. by a non-owner occupied. Okay. But a fun little fact, a VA loan can be assumed by somebody who isn't part of the VA, like a, isn't a veteran. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. As long as it's their own residence. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to be a veteran in order to assume a VA loan. Now, when that loan gets assumed, does that take away the buying power from the previous veteran who was using that loan? Um, no. So in the end, there should be, if it gets goes through the whole process properly, okay. there will be a process where they basically disconnect that um, the VA person from that. Okay. And then they get all their full benefits mm-hmm. and, and borrowing. All their entitlement back. and everything yeah. back. Okay, yeah. great. And so I, I've heard this bantered around a little bit. What's an accelerate or an accelerating clause within a loan? And then how is that all enforced and applied? Yeah. So if you heard me earlier, I was kind of talking about how I've been using this word properly a lot. Yes. And I'm referring to uh, the assumable mortgages that you can assume a mortgage the wrong way, essentially. And if like you were saying, you know, you go with Guido, who's giving you a interest rate for a certain amount of money or something that you're not really transferring ownership the correct way through mm-hmm. the banks, you know, through your title and through your loan officer. It's just an agreement, party member, party member. That could be deemed as bad when looking at it from the servicer. And so the servicer could come to you and say, hey, we see that you're no longer living in this residence. You know, you're having somebody else live here and you're calling it a primary residence. Your loan is now due. Okay. And so it'll come at you for whatever the remaining balance is of that loan. Okay. So that that's when they would accelerate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what if um, you had a 20% or greater equity position would the bank accelerate it then? Because then you'd almost, or 25%, because that's what a non-owner occupied would have to come to a, a transaction with. Do you know that, let's say there was only 50% on the on there, and I decided um, that I am going to rent out the house, not live there, but I've got this big equity position. Would I think that, that would depend on the servicer and how okay. they're willing to, uh, if they're willing to work with you or not. Okay. Because um, sometimes they, they won't. They'll okay. just say that, hey, you know, you got this remaining balance, it's due, 
that you may have a chance to kind of refinance it, like you were saying, maybe, and using that equity to convert it into an investment property. Okay. Um, but it's kind of up to the discretion of the servicer. Okay. So, Nick, I want to thank you very much. And everybody, if you have questions about assumable mortgages, what can be assumed, what can't be assumed, how to properly make the change, as Nick said, how do they get a hold of you, Nick? They can reach me at my phone number, which is 520-449-3848, or at my email, which is nick.woolridge at V-I-P-M-T-G-I-N-C. All right, great. And that will be right down below here on the screen, all in Nick's um, contact information. Hey, Nick, I want to thank you very much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. I learned something today. And <laughs> after 42 years, you think I knew everything, right? I did learn something today. I was kind of blown away by with the assumption of the FHA loan. So thank you very much. Yeah, thanks so hey, much for having me. And Tom. everybody, stay tuned for our next podcast, which is going to be Equity Rich. Until then, America, stay safe. Thank you for listening and watching the Nitty Gritty of Real Estate podcast here with the Tom J. Krieger team of Keller Williams Southern Arizona. If you are interested in buying a home, selling a home, or even investing in real estate, we have 5,000 agents across the country that we can connect you to. If you need any free resources, feel free to check out our website at www.thetjkteam.com. We hope you have a great day.